Every now and then, we all need a pick-me-up in the morning. My go-to is a medium coffee double-double from Tim Hortons. I've actually got one on my desk right now. On the plastic lid, I can see this little triangle with the number six inside of it. Number six plastics made of polystyrene are actually difficult to recycle, but it can be done in major cities like Toronto. Unfortunately, a lot of number six plastics and others, like the thin layer coating the inside of this coffee cup, are not. While there are many fates for these unrecycled, non-compostable plastics, one of the most common is the formation of something called microplastics. I'm Sam Marchetti, and welcome back to On the Sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about microplastics is Sam Reynolds, a conservation and chemical biology master's candidate working with the Canadian Wildlife Federation, a science for everyone researcher and a passionate environmentalist. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Uh, it's great to have you. It's great to be here. Okay, so um, first question for you. I was talking about my coffee cups just now. How does my coffee cup lid go from this tangible, you know, large piece of plastic? How does that turn into micro, like microscopic particles? How does that happen? That is a fantastic question. So um, there are lots of avenues through which that could happen. Um, things like physical and manual deterioration, for example, if it was getting hit against something repeatedly or physically crushed um, in, a in a landfill or something like that. Um, then there's something called photodegradation. Essentially, it's exposed to UV light, and that causes the plastic to get really brittle um, from an increased oxygen functional group on the surface of the plastic, and then pieces can easily snap off of that. Um, another way that could happen is animals could actually consume it and then break it down into their in their body into smaller pieces and then further defecate into the environment, all of those little microplastics. Um, basically, the list goes on and on, uh, and you can assume that any large piece of plastic could and will get broken down into smaller pieces over time. And this doesn't even cover all the plastics that are already produced in micro size um, that get put into our environment as well. So there are already plastics that get produced in micro size. Yes. So what kind of plastics are those? So that would be talking about things like um, micro uh, facial microbeads in facial cleansers. So you see sometimes uh, people will add things like microbeads to increase exfoliation. Um, and those are plastics that are produced that are already really minuscule and they're produced um, for things that go into the water, which is just a really bad idea all around. Um, and then other things from manufacturing plants and stuff like that as well. Wow, I actually did not know that. I had yeah. no idea there was plastic in exfoliating facial creams. Um, but you, you mentioned, you know, it's a bad idea to put it in something that's already headed for the water. So that leads pretty well into my next question. So where, where do these things end up once they get broken down and they're turned into these you know, tiny little particles? What's the ultimate fate? Yes. OK, so that's also a great question. So once we form these particles, there are a lot of places that they could go. Let's stick with your um, coffee cup example and say that you, Sam, are a lovely, considerate gentleman and you throw your plastic coffee lid into the garbage because you're not sure if your municipality will recycle it. It could a actually end up in the landfill or B, it could fall out of the bag or truck, etc. Somewhere along the route, end up in a ditch. But let's say it gets to the landfill. There's actually something called leachate, which basically just means that water can seep through that mass of plastic at the landfill and carry small particles into the soil, which can also be taken up into the atmosphere and eventually be dispersed into our waterways. Um, there's also 
a lot of microplastics right now being found in soil. There's a lot less research about that, um, but we do know it's there mainly from things like applying sewage sludge from wastewater treatment plants to agricultural soil. Uh, so that's something they do as a fertilizer. Um, but what we hear most often is that microplastics eventually end up in the ocean, um, and that's through things like rain and runoff. Um, there are even large garbage patches, which I'm sure you've heard of in the ocean, so like the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is twice the size of Texas. <laughs> um, so what we can say for sure is that this plastic mostly ends up in our soil and in our ocean, which is, let's be honest, most of the earth. <laughs> um, so it ends up mostly in the soil and the ocean. Uh, does it come back to us? Oh, it does. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's sort of another um, element of is this is that we're actually finding um, plastic in human feces right now. There's some studies going on that are showing that we are consuming um, a fair bit of microplastics just from things like produce, drinking water, table salt, and of course, fish and sea creatures, which have consumed that plastic. So um, there's a study, I'm going to butcher this name, but Schwabble et al. from 2019, which found um, two or two particles of microplastic per gram of poop uh, in human feces that they tested. Really? Yeah. So it's it's in us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK. Um, so, OK, so it gets back to us. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm remembering, you know, when I was a kid, we used to have I mean, I don't know anyone who still uses them. Maybe that's just my my like sphere, my bubble, but, you know, like a single use plastic water bottles. And we used to have them at camp and stuff. And everybody would always say, oh, those are terrible because, you know, you drink water from them and they're they're uh, releasing plastic into the water and you're actually drinking plastic. Um, I don't know if that was true, but what are the health impacts on people from like consuming microplastics? Because I, I actually did a Google search. Um, just before this on, you know, the, the number six plastic in my coffee cup lid. And the first thing that comes up is says, if you reuse it, it can release some fairly dangerous, even, you know, uh, cancer related or carcinogenic uh, chemicals into the stuff that you're consuming. So do we know what the health impacts are? Yeah, I would definitely recommend not to eat it to anyone. If anyone was out there <laughs> thinking about eating plastic, definitely don't. Um, the health implications on humans are still not really well studied, um, but we do know that um, they're dangerous for a couple reasons. One, because they're plastic, but also um, they actually absorb pollutants from the environment because of their small surface area. And so they can carry toxins as well as um, the toxins that they're made of. Um, so that's another aspect that they can combine with other um, toxic chemicals in the environment. And we haven't done a ton of studies on human health, but there are studies on other organisms that we've seen microplastics affecting things like growth, development, increased mortality, and even changing gene expression in some organisms. Um, and there are some that it doesn't affect. A lot of filter feeders don't seem to have a negative effect on survival from consuming them, but the downside is predators then consume them and it accumulates up the food chain, eventually, usually leading to us. <laughs> So it may not it may not hurt the fish, but it's hurting us when we eat the fish. Yes. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times it does hurt the fish as well. So just oh, not great. Yeah. That Wow. Um, sorry, I need to pause now. Uh, I, 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 I had like a good segue there and then I lost it. I just completely lost my segue was. That's OK. Just give me a second. I got it. OK. So. You know, that sounds uh, altogether, you know, pretty terrible. But 
why why is it that they're stuck in the state of microplastics? So you like they're just stuck as microscopic particles. What's the difference between, you know, like the plastics breaking down and the stuff in my home composter breaking down in there? Like, are they not just breaking down into smaller and smaller pieces? Why can't the microplastics just keep breaking down and go away? Yeah. So what you're talking about are nanoparticles, <laughs> nanoplastics. And those are also uh, smaller than microplastics, but still persistent in the environment. And so technically what you're saying, they could break down over time, but that would take about a thousand years. And um, also these microplastics can disperse into places with, without access to sunlight, so deep in the ocean. Um, and that's something that's required for photodegradation that we talked about earlier. Um, that's the hard part for me. It seems pretty difficult to consider that um, a takeout cup lid is being used for roughly 20 minutes and then existing for another thousand years. And it can be really hard to break down plastics, mainly because bacteria don't really break it down at all. Um, there's, well, there's one bacteria that was recently discovered and it does break down, um, plastic, though it isn't highly efficient at it. Um, but there's a lot of research going on in that avenue right now. Nature came out with a paper detailing how they've been, have an improved hydrolase that's able to depolymerize plastic, meaning, you know, there's scientists working on ways to break it down, but they're not mainstream by any means. Um, and you also mentioned composting. Composting is just my favorite thing in the world um, because you can bury these organic materials like food scraps and use paper products and then bacteria can actually break it down into something that's useful again and something that will enrich the soil. With plastic though, that's just not the case. Um, so it, it makes sense to me. We live on a planet with finite amount of resources, yet our economy is linear. We make something, we use it, we discard it, and that system just doesn't work long term. And that's why I think that composting is so beautiful because you can put it back into the earth and it's actually circular. So um, that's just not the case for plastic. So just because of the chemical makeup of it, it, it just yeah. can't be broken down the same way. By that bacteria. Yeah. So. Interesting. Um, so are we making any progress on dealing with this? Because it sounds like a pretty big issue. It sounds like it can hurt us. It can hurt, uh, you know, basically all other life on Earth. Um, and it really impacts the world's ecosystem. So are we making any progress on dealing with that issue from a government regulation standpoint? Um, we definitely are progressing. So remember I talked about those microbeads for facial cleansers. Um, we actually had a ban on those in 2017. Um, so there's nothing more being produced um, that in that way. And that's really awesome. Um, and in Canada right now, the federal government is attempting to put a ban on single-use plastics. Um, there's actually six of those single-use plastics that they're trying to ban. So plastic grocery bags, straws, stir sticks, cutlery, and six-pack rings, I think. Oh, and food containers from hard-to-recycle plastics. Um, so in a lot of ways, that's a great step. Um, obviously, it's definitely not enough. Um, and there's also reasons why these bans can be harmful. Like um, there are a lot of disabled people have spoken out about requiring plastic straws and having them taken out of restaurants can also be harmful. So there's a lot of nuance to the conversation. Um, plastic isn't all bad, but it is not great at the amount that we've been using it for sure. So so we're making progress with the regulations, but it's not quite there. We need we definitely need to talk about it more. So is there anything in the meantime um, or is there anything, you know, to supplement that that we can do as individuals to deal with this? Is it just down to using less plastic? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
I think a lot of it is about awareness. I obviously don't want to sit here and put the burden of plastic use on the consumer because um, there's a lot of corporations that are producing just an absolute ton of plastic. And um, it's pretty unfair to say each individual needs to you know, change their lifestyle instead of doing these big regulations. But if people are interested, I definitely have tips on how we can reduce our plastic in our personal lives. I um, I went plastic free for four months and it is really hard um, because plastic's everywhere and it takes lots of planning, which is just not accessible for, you know, people who are um, just don't have that kind of time or they're worried about how they're going to put food on their table. But um, things you can do that are fairly easy, I would say if you're grocery shopping to opt for large boxes, glass jars and cans of things rather than getting things in plastic. Um, and other things you can do. I, I even like to save my jars afterwards so I don't send them to the recycling plant. I just use them for other things like takeout and packing my lunches in those jars because our recycling in Canada is really not great. <laughs> About 9% of the things that we put in the recycling actually gets recycled. Um, so I would honestly just stick to the reduce and reuse options as much as possible. Um, some other things you could do, skipping your takeaway cup, bringing a reusable instead, keeping cloth bags in your car for grocery shopping, switching to shampoo bars and bars of soap. Um, and then the last tip I had, you could also purchase a guppy bag. So this is um, something about microplastics that a lot of people don't know is that um, a lot of your clothing are actually made of plastic. So a lot of polyester and synthetic fabrics. And every time you put them in the wash, you actually shed off microplastics and then it goes from your washer into the waterways. So there are things like guppy bags you can buy where you put your clothes in them and wash them in that bag and the bag actually collects the plastic. So you can scrape it off and put it in the garbage to avoid it from going into the water. So those are my tips. Um, basically, there's tons of things we can do as individuals while still recognizing that the blame of plastic pollution shouldn't fall on us alone. Wow, that was a that was amazing. Thank you. Sam. Those are some <laughs> no really great tips. Um, yeah. So uh, to the listeners, thank you again for tuning in. Um, remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about conservation, microplastics, or any of the other topics we've talked about on this show, uh, you can visit us on our Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at sci for everyone and on our website at scienceforeveryone.ca. For more information on COVID-19 vaccines, you can check out our sister podcast, Vaccination, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, and Cheryl Nguyen, with editorial help provided by Kayla Benjamin. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant. Next time, we'll be talking about the Lunar Gateway, a space station set to orbit the moon, with in-orbit construction set to begin in 2024. We'll see you then.